Welcome to the Wave Podcast. In December 2020, Couscous was inscribed on UNESCO's list of intangible cultural heritage as a joint entry by the permanent delegations of Algeria, Mauritania, Morocco and Tunisia a feat that was heralded as an important recognition of African cuisine's place in global gastronomy. The inscription also underscored the important role that governments have to play in the promotion of traditional culinary heritage as a vital element of national identity. The question of food in Africa has rarely been approached from the perspective of the culinary arts. Nevertheless, the African food experience has an inherent culinary dimension that deserves to be preserved just as much as other forms of intangible cultural heritage on the continent. African flavors have exerted a significant influence on world cooking, in particular in the Americas and the Caribbean, a direct result of the transatlantic slave trade. This influx of peoples of African descent impacted every aspect of cuisine in these regions. There are few official statistics and very little scholarship on African cuisine. Regardless, food as a cultural good, if accepted at the international level, could contribute to the promotion of a culture the world over. Food reinforces the image and the national pride of a country. Effective internationalization of local cuisines also contributes to the promotion of food tourism. In addition to many other economic benefits, vibrant food industries contribute to increased value accorded to agricultural products and other local foodstuffs. The generation of international currency earnings from food-related sales and services. Some African restaurants are already established in the West and successfully promote African cooking globally. One example, the gastronomic restaurant Ikoyi, situated in St. James's in London and dedicated to a Nigerian fusion cuisine, is the only African restaurant in England to have been granted a Michelin star. In France, the Franco-Malian chef Morisako opened his restaurant Mosuke in September 2020. He received a Michelin star in the category of Promising Young Chef for the beginning of 2021. The tables at the restaurant of Pierre Thiam, the famous Senegalese chef based in New York, have drawn numerous celebrities, including the King of Morocco and the Emir of Kano. The visibility that these restaurants give to African cuisine in metropolitan cities further reinforces the international popularity of African delicacies. Other chefs, such as the Ivorian Loïc Dablé, the Ghanaian Selassie Atadika, or the Congolese Dievel Malonga, have preferred to return to the continent to establish restaurants entirely dedicated to the African culinary tradition. Local cuisines are often not appreciated as much as international cuisines and have a tendency to be ignored or relegated to the periphery. Indeed, for many Africans, the idea of gastronomy is synonymous with Western or Asian gastronomy. Restaurants specializing in African culinary specialities and offering entirely African menus remain rare in the continent's major cities. There are nevertheless certain efforts to establish such restaurants, such as Le Panav by Loïc Dablé in Abidjan, Noc in Lagos, or Mesa Malonga in Kigali.
There are certain key elements that are required for the successful internationalization of African cuisine. The first is a proper understanding of the history of a nation's food. Other elements include a strong identity, a systemic documentation, a spirit of business with a view to international markets, and finally, cultural marketing and adaptation to international tastes and standards. Each of these has been seriously affected by the pandemic and the related health restrictions, as elsewhere, the restaurant and hotel sectors were among the most impacted by COVID in Africa, which has forced the closure of many establishments and inevitably unemployment. Today, we are hosting three experts. They will speak to us about the challenges they faced during the COVID pandemic, the reality of their sector, and the solutions they propose. So today we are hosting three food experts. Um, they will speak to us about the challenges they face, the reality of their sector, and the solutions they propose. My name is John Yombo, and I am a media and communication professional. I'm specialized in African territories and I manage 25 countries in Africa regarding communication campaign for Canal Plus International. I'm in love with Africa stories and I am in love with food also. That's why I created Le Miam Show last year. It's a culinary media that militates for a better valorization of Afro cuisines and their actors. Um, and I'm very, very delighted to welcome you guys um, to this panel today. And I'm going to introduce each one of us, of, of you guys. So first, Tola Akerele, um, Nigerian interior designer, a woman of many uh, talents with a successful career in investment banking. And, um, and uh, 16 years ago, you decided to shift and to move from London to Lagos. And now you, works, you work an, as an established interior designer and hotelier. And most recently, you launched a cookbook dedicated to Nigerian cuisine entitled The Orishirishi Cookbook. I hope I, I spell it well. So welcome, Tola. Thank you so much. Delighted to be here. And now um, I'm introducing Ire Asan Odukale um, as a restaurant director of Ikoyi that was were, were launched with uh, your friends Jeremy Shan in July 2017. Ikoyi is in London in St. James and is a unique combination of two men of you and Jeremy backgrounds. The bold taste and rich flavors of Ires childhood in West Africa and Jeremy's chef experience in the Greek kitchen of Noma dinner by Heston Blumenthal and Hibiscus. So together, um, you guys created an unrivaled dining experience with a truly innovative cuisine that marries an intricate balance of flavor and spices with a fearless enjoyment of the tastes and produce of the season. Welcome, Ire. Thank you. Pleased to be here. And last but not least, um, Victor Okunowo. Um, you are the head chef at London's Talking Drum, a, a West African fine dining restaurant new to the Southwest of the capital. And you took part in MasterChef in 2020, um, uh, which is a culinary TV show broadcasted in, on BBC. 
and you were one of the 10 semi-finalists in the competition. Welcome, Victor. Thank you, pleasure. I'm going to start with the pandemic. And my first question is going to be uh, on how this pandemic affects your business uh, for each of you. For example, what has been your greatest challenge for each restaurant and how did you address uh, it? Let's start with Tola. Hi. Um, well, it was obviously, it happened so quickly. So it was a bit of a, a shock. Um, and obviously we, we, we booked the house where the Oshishi Kitchen is housed. It's obviously a very buzzy place. So we shut down and we were fortunate that we had a home delivery service already in place. So we just sort of switched to that and, you know, all the staff, we had a skeleton service. It was tough, it was hard on the staff, but fortunately we were able to um, really sustain them. We didn't, we didn't have a photo or anything like that in Nigeria. Um, so it was really just us trying to sustain our staff and we were able to do that, you know, by, by just, you know, by the home delivery service. We are in, um, we're basically which is a, we're in a part of a community where people supported, ordered food. We're actually quite busy at that point. So it was, we're very lucky that it was, we're able to sort of, you know, give the staff you know, what they needed to survive. Um, and personally, I mean, for me, I mean, I was obviously at home most of the time. And it gave me the chance to actually um, get going with the Oshushi cookbook. I actually broke most of it during the, the lockdown. So um, personally, it was, it, was, um, it was difficult business-wise, but it was, you know, I was able to really spend time, you know, just fine-tuning the book. So it, was, it turned out to be, you know, a good time overall. All right. We will talk about the cookbook um, in a few minutes. Let's give the voice to Ire. How did you manage the lockdown? Uh, in London? Uh, so, I mean, the, the lockdown, well, I, initially, we didn't think it was going to last as long as it did. Uh, when it happened, we thought it was going to be a few weeks. We thought it was going to be a, probably a month. And um, and uh, we thought it would be a good time to, to, to take stock, to, to reflect, uh, to re reflect on the business. But then it went on for longer than, than we anticipated. We, obviously, the stuff had to go on further. Um, we, we're not a takeaway take concept. So it, it was difficult for us to, we probably, we probably had, out of the last 12 months, we were probably operating for four out of 12. So uh, obviously there was no income coming in, but the staff were taken care of through, through the fellow scheme. Um, and it has been tough just because of how long it's been. And it's, it's, been, it's been tough trying to, trying to make any plans or trying, or tr trying to stay positive through it. But, but I, I, I think, I mean, we're finally looking, seeing, seeing the end of it, we should be open on the 17th of March, of May, sorry. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, hopefully uh, the reopening will be, will be, will be good because I, I think people are ready to get out again and, and, start, and start eating um, at, at restaurants because it's been so long. Okay, did you try uh, home deliveries? Well, we're not, as I said, we're not really a takeaway concept. We have a tasting menu, 10 courses, and uh, it's 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 very it's very hard for us to, to package what we do and put it on a delivery bike delivery bike to to send to send to our guests. Um, mm. We just don't think uh, the, the, the food the food doesn't carry. We we spent all this time creating creating a restaurant that you have to experience at the restaurant. That, that was what we invested our time and energy in, and and now the pandemic came and that kind of fell apart. So we, we decided to, to see it through and and, and wait until we we're, were able to reopen. Luckily, we had. We're open between July and, uh, and, and October. And, and, and when we were open, even though we had restrictions, we saw that the sales were quite good. But we, 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 we reckon that if we did take away, 
the sales during that period would not, would not have been as good as they were. I asked the question because we have a chef in France called Maurice Taco, who is a gastronomic chef, and he decided to, to switch a little bit and to create a second um, service with just a fast food, but a gastronomic fast food, you know, to, to face the lockdown. That's why... I was asking that question. We actually thought about that and, 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 and we came up with a, with a takeaway concept menu, uh, but we, we were ready to launch in July when the government allowed us to open, reopen again. So mm -hmm. we launched that, but then we were able, able to open. So, so, so we scrapped it just because our kitchen is small and we can't do both at the same time. So mm -hmm. the second lockdown in December, we decided that we we're just going to wait it out. Okay, what about you, Victor? Lockdown has been, it's been weird for me. It's been kind of weird for me. Um, when the first lockdown happened, I was just moving from my previous place to join Talking Drum. So towards the end of the first lockdown, I was leaving my previous place to join Talking Drum. Then when we opened Talking Drum, we have literally done five weeks of service. So we haven't done a full month. We did three weeks, then another two and a half weeks. Then we went back into the tiers and then the lockdown sets. So it's just, it's, it's just been unstable. I think the biggest part for it isn't necessarily just the fact that there's no work. I think it hits you mentally. Um, I work a standard 16 to 18 hour days a day. I work mm -hmm. 18 hours, then being stuck at home and doing nothing kind of takes a toll on you. So apart from that, yeah, the furlough scheme is just, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, I've had people coming out of it now. Well, let me start with um, a controversial question. Well, in my be a controversial question. Do you believe in the very concept of African gastronomy? And how would you describe it? Because there is a real difference between cuisine or cooking and gastronomy. So do you think um, there is a, an African gastronomy? Let's start with um, Victor. Gastronomy just means the size of food, really. It's just the size of food. Um, every other culture has one, why can't we? I think that's the biggest problem. Like it's acceptable for everyone else, but it, it seems to be questionable when it comes to us um, as a people, I guess in general. Our food isn't isn't that, but nobody should ever say you can't make it that. That's what food is all about. Each person to their own will. So if you see something and you have a way to recreate it and revision it and give someone the same, give someone an experience through that food using gastronomy, of course there is. There's always a market for it. It's just whether the consumers are ready, are ready to accept it, I guess. But there is definitely always a market for it. Do you think that, well, let, let, uh, let's, um, let, let us let Ira answer and I'm going to ask another question on that. Cool. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I do think there is, there is a concept of, of African gastronomy. I don't, I don't think it's, it's reached the heights that, that the European or, or, or Asian gastronomy has reached just because it has been explored as much. Um, enough time hasn't been given. I don't think it has been. It, 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 it's very our gastronomy is quite is quite localized, and and I think because Africans for a long time were, were cooking for sustenance as opposed to cooking for for pleasure. I mean, yeah. they were, and also also cooking is a way of bringing families together. So they were mm. not trying to when there's no need to to really differentiate your your food for the, for the sake of marketing it for the sake of making a profit. Mm -hmm. It doesn't grow as quickly. So, but 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 I think that's changing, and I think uh, mm -hmm. we'll probably see see the the, the the true African gastronomy coming out uh, as 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 we go further. Tola, you have a restaurant in Nigeria, and I think 
maybe I'm wrong, but I think that we Africans are not even interested in what Ibre called um, food for the sake of uh, pleasure or for marketing. What do you think? Well, I think, um, I think like you said, in the past, probably we, we sort of eat to sort of, you know, get the food in us for the work for the, the day ahead. But that is certainly changing. And just what Victor said in terms of, he said that there is definitely obviously food science, there's definitely um, gastronomy, but we haven't sort of pushed it out and people are not ready for it. I think it's because we haven't pushed it out ourselves. And I think what's happening, certainly just speaking about my environment now, there's so many um, chefs in Lagos doing amazing things, fusions, um, doing just really good quality, traditional food, which is what we're about, you know. And just so I, I personally feel that, um, that it, there's definitely, um, it's, it's definitely in its infancy, but there's definitely room for it. And it's, I, I think it's up to us to kind of also push it out as opposed to sort of expecting people to sort of ask for it and sort of package it in a way um, that is, you know, um, interesting. Uh, but certainly just, you know, in, in looking around and looking at the restaurants opening every day, just where I am, um, there's definitely um, a, a desire to go down that, that, in that direction. Our food uh, suffers from many stereotypes, uh, too heavy, too fatty, too spicy. However, we know some culinary cultures which are similar to ours. I'm thinking about Asian cuisine because their food is sometimes more spicy uh, than African food. So what do, you, what do you think we are missing to better promote our culture? What, what, uh, what is wrong? Is, is there, um, do we lack uh, media marketing? Do we lack ambassadors? What's wrong, uh, according to you? I would say, I would say, uh, first, first of the packaging, how we present our food, uh, how we, how we, yeah, how, how we present our food to, to other markets. You find that, well, I can only speak from my experience from in, in in the UK. You have, you do have African restaurants, but they mainly cater to the diaspora, and they don't really try to open up to 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 attract people from other other, other cultures, which is something the Asians do. Um, we, 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 we cook for ourselves and we cook uh, the way we will cook if we were at home. So, mm. I, so I think that, that, that kind of closes the market because it doesn't help attract people. Um, I, I, I think you have to, if you want to promote the, the food, you have to meet people in the middle. You have to, you have to, you have to make it comfortable for them to, to, to feel comfortable to come in and, and experience the food and try it, which, which we do more of. Yeah. Do you all agree with that? Because when I look at um, Asian cuisine, I don't feel like they did a huge work on the image. If you go into a Chinese restaurant in France, for instance, it's kind of basic, don't you? Think? Yeah, I think. Sorry, go on. I, I think um, yeah, it is basic, but there's also accessibility as well to um, ingredients. You know, I mean, you know what Chinese food. Don't have to tell you um, what you know whatever mm. it is selling to the West, you know, but they're not going to sell you chicken feet in, in a restaurant in London, where, which is very popular in, in, um, in, you know, in Hong Kong and in China. You know, it's, very, it's a very it's big uh, delicacy. So they've kind, mm. of, kind of chosen the things that will work in the West. And also, mm. and it's not by accident that every city has a Chinatown. It's not by accident. Um, mm. They have the concerted effort to kind of get their food out there and so we just have to kind of understand that. We kind of we do kind of do things. Um, we need to kind of understand that there's, there's, there's a way it works, you know. I think once we can key into that, 
have access to um, ingredients, good packaging, good ambience, selling our culture. In a way. We have amazing culture. I'm about promoting Nigerian culture. Our culture is amazing. Mm. How are we presenting it? That, that's a question, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Victor, what do you think? Do you have a, a specific view on that? Um, I agree with Ira 100%. I agree with Ira 100%. I'm sort of like, it's, it's us. It's, it's, it's no one else. It's, it's us. Um, the beauty, the beauty, my, my standing grace with food and the most beautiful thing about food for me is the variety. Every place is different. But the thing is, you have to understand that because there's so many different people out there, how you show them that shouldn't be front forward. People are very cautious when it comes to their palate. It's just, it's just the way it's people are very cautious when it comes to it. And our food is so full of flavor that you would literally have to ease people into it. For example, I did um, I go see on MasterChef and it took me two weeks just to get it right because I couldn't, I could never do it how it's supposed to be. That's a country dish. And what they don't show on TV is when Greg first ate it, his comment wasn't, oh, the pasta is nice. His comment was, I don't hate it, but I don't think I don't like, I don't think I like it either. It was just that simple. It's, like, it's not bad, it's not good, it's just different. I've never tasted anything mm. like that before. Mm. So now it's finding, the, it's finding the middle ground to take that and find a way for them to understand the flavor and then appreciate the flavor, which we've not had time to do. China has this, Chinese culture has established their stand for generations now. Same yeah. as Indian cuisine, like <laughs> the broader market go for Indian takeaway anytime, but how often did they say I want a Nigerian meal? Yeah. So we need time, we need to, we need to put the effort in ourselves. I'm sure it'll be something that we'll be able to hold up to the challenge. Can we say that we are we are on the good, the right track? Um, I don't know if you heard about um, <laughs> the fufu challenge. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Did you did you hear about that? Because I want us to talk about that a little bit. The fufu challenge. Yes. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. There were there is I don't know if it's still a trending but there is a there was the, a fufu challenge on TikTok mm. and uh, someone started it by just eating fufu uh, and and he was delighted about that but the thing is other culture other people essentially white people they started to try fufu and we had two types of people some were very impressed by the taste and other were um, shocked by the taste and the texture of fufu. And it creates some kind of weird feeling to me because it's, very, it's a very good thing that our food is becoming trendy, but also I felt like some disrespect in the way uh, our food were presented. So I don't know if you, if you I, I, I know that Victor um, were aware of that, um, what do you think on, on that kind of publicity? Sorry, can, can I just jump in? I, I, I have an yeah. issue with Africans wanting to promote their culture, but, but, but wanting to hold on to it at the same time. Culture is something that if you, want, if you want culture to spread, you have to put it out there. You have to put mm -hmm. it out there. You have to be bold and you have to not, not be precious about it or, 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 or be worried about what people are going to do with this because that, that's, part of, that's part of its promotion, I think. I, I think... I think mm -hmm. Well, we're always quick to to be like like for with the with the jollof rice and um, and uh, what's his name and uh, what's the chef's name uh, uh, Oliver. Oliver. Yeah, I mean the the, the 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 way people reacted to that, I think it can only do good things for us if 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 if, if Jamie Oliver is promoting jollof rice. I don't think it can it can mm -hmm. either 
in ever make in terms of culture I'm, I'm putting our culture out there i think it, it can only bring can only be a benefit um yeah benefit, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah i mean i think it was, i think i agree in terms of um just getting them the name i mean everyone now knows what egglesia is or they, they didn't know what egglesia is you know um so it's good but i, mean, I guess that, that those videos are a bit, bit i mean they're getting the egglesia from goodness knows where you know so there was such a mix of reactions some were from i don't know where they got the, the food from but there's so many different reactions to the egglesia um, but I agree with Terry that, you know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for people to know what Egusi is, to know that, you know, it's made of melon seeds, whatever, you know, it's a good thing. And it gets a conversation going. Nigerian food is now out there. But I guess the problem was, we don't know where the food came from. So maybe the quality wasn't as good as it could have been. There was no control over what you were, what they were eating. But generally yeah. speaking, um, I didn't have a problem with it. I thought, I thought it was quite interesting to see what, how people reacted to it and how some people just loved it. How people just thought it wasn't. Um, it wasn't that great, but it's a national. It's also like a national dish as well. So that's very representative of what, what, well, what West Africans eat, um, and Nigerian, Nigerians in particular. So um, you know, it was mm. good. Um, what's it called? Yeah. Uh, marketing, um, what do you, what, where you test the market? There you go. <laughs> I think what you so let's say that the most important. Yes, go on. Sorry, I think what you also find is once it's out there, the people that complain about it out there are the people who should be supporting it i.e. our own people so like the whole genuine of a thing mm. most of the backlash came from africans who were like this mm -hmm. is what it is whereas you missed a bigger picture as in more people being known more people being made aware of the dishes that are out there so again mm. I, I still think it boils down it boils down to us but it's 100 it's 100 correct the, all, all publicity is good publicity at this point when information mm -hmm. mm -hmm. publicity is good publicity this is all this down down mm -hmm. to just have you to show them that okay it's it's not just that there's there's more to it we, we'll probably get to the point where we can fine-tune things and, and yeah i think as for now we just need to get get, get things out there just make sure yeah, yeah. we just need publicity massive publicity in the voiceover at the start of the podcast um we talked about the inscription of couscous on unesco's list of intangible cultural heritage and of course um I mean, uh, the food from North Africa has been uh, as long been recognized outside Africa in the way um, the cuisine from other parts of Africa was not recognized. So do you believe, um, however, that this type of recognition could have an impact on the future of African gastronomy? So, so I'm wondering, I'm asking if, if, if the, 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 the recognition by, by UNESCO, is it, does mm -hmm. that, is it just recognize that that the food comes from that part of the world, or does it mean that when you're, if you're serving this food, or if you're, if you want to, 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 to market this food, you have to, you have to mention that it comes from, from, uh, from that part of the world, and you have to cook it in a certain way. Oh, that is a good question. I think it, it, it's just a recognition to show that, well, in that part of the world, we have that, you know, there is that heritage, that special heritage, and it has been a joint collaboration with four uh, countries where um, couscous egg exists. Uh, I think it's Algeria, Morocco, Mauritania, and Tunisia. Yeah, so it's the first time, if I'm not mistaken. Oh no, there is pepper of Cameroon, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Cameroonian pepper, yes. Yeah, Cameroonian pepper is also in that list. Um, but there are very few uh, African dishes or African 
culinary, culinary heritage in that in that list. So is this something um, peculiar to that um, region? Yes, yeah, something particular to that region. Even if uh, people cook couscous in uh, in sub-Saharan Africa, you know, it's it's not um, cous African uh, sub-Saharan couscous are not uh, doesn't um, have the same not uh, they're not famous as the couscous from the north of the continent. So the question is just to know that, to ask if you think that this kind of publicity uh, really have an impact and will bring more recognition for the other food we have on the continent. Yes, I think yes, and probably not, as, I don't know. I, I, but I think, I think couscous is something that's, that's, that's already been known for a long time. And I yeah. think- Yeah, I think none. I don't know if it will have as much of an impact as, as if it was a dish that was not well as popular as couscous. I also feel like, uh, let's take um, Cameroonian pepper. Mm. Uh, I feel like it's something that only professional uh, know and not the, the public. I don't know if you, if you understand what I'm trying to say. Like um, everybody, I mean, if you're a professional, you know that the best, one of the best pepper is coming from Cameroon. But uh, if you, 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 you don't evolve in, in the professional area of food, mm. you're aware of that. Do you have the same feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Those recognition are just for professional uh, people and the, the public don't really, I don't know if they care, but. Uh, yeah, because I think I it's one of those things, if you know, you know, like it's either you're from that area of like from Africa, you know about Cameroon pepper or you're, you're a chef or you're in the industry to know that this specific pepper is going to give you what I need. I think for the day-to-day -day people, it doesn't matter to them because th there's a million and one varieties of chili out there. What does the Cameroon pepper really do for them? Nothing. They don't need it in their house day-to-day. -day. But if you're cooking traditional food that requires Cameroon pepper, you're going to go and get Cameroonian pepper. There's no substitute for it. Whereas if you go to Tesco, you can get the little green chilies that have seasoned them but still taste like they were pickled two days ago and taste like nothing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know um, how, um, how sort of um, publicised the, the, these food items are on the list. I don't know, you know in, in the UK, you always have like the superfood of the year and it gets really publicised and everyone sort of you know, goes for that. I don't know if it's the same kind of thing as that, but I agree with that. The pepper thing is like, there's so many kinds of peppers you can use. Unless you know exactly, unless you know exactly what it's going to do for your dish, it's unlikely that you'd actually go and look for um, the pepper, but I, I think some. It's, I mean, in the UK, there's always like a, the latest superfood. You know, um, mm. it was free kale you know, one year, and so I guess it gives it more um, exposure to the food. But yeah. um, I don't know if it makes people. Maybe people want to kind of you know um, cook with that. Food. Yeah, particularly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess the challenge is for UNESCO. Then I guess. Make sure that okay. I said I guess the challenge is for, for UNESCO to make sure that this is, is publicized and it's not just a list that that, mm. that yeah. exactly. I think we're gonna promote it, promote it on the cultural aspect rather than on the ingredient aspect because everyone knows what couscous is, but how many people actually know the culture behind couscous? Yeah, yeah. I see in the Middle East. That would be the best way to promote it. But apart from that, people just look at it like it's couscous. You know well, yeah. <laughs> yes. From the idea of that, it's just couscous. Like, yeah. yeah. So, well, if you had to pick, you guys are Nigerian, if you had to pick one dish, one Nigerian dish 
um, to add it to the UNESCO list, what would it be? Yam. 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 Okay. Yam. Yeah. It's so versatile, and it's very, okay. you know, very, very much from uh, the region. And there's so many mm -hmm. stories around Yam and cu our cultural heritage. So I okay. think Yam would be a good one. And you can find Yam in many other countries, not only in Nigeria. So that would be, yeah, interesting. Mm. Mm. And Ire, Victor, what, what would you pick? I mean, if it's a dish, I mean, I think we'll have to say rice, but, 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 but if, it's a, if, it's a, if you're talking about a, a product, I'll say cassava. I think cassava is, 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 a, is, is overlooked and there's so much mm -hmm. you can do with it. It has so much potential. I think uh, cassava should should definitely should be. I mean, it could be it could be used the same way. The same way potato is big, cassava could could. could yeah, be. definitely. Me, I, I live in France, and um, we have very very few Afro restaurants there. And more importantly, there is no platform to list them or talk about them. That's why I decided, for instance, to launch a media uh, called Le Miam Show. So to discover an Afro restaurant, if you live in France, it's only through word of mouth. There is no platform. I wanted to know, to know if you make the same observation in the UK, or is there a bigger interest in African cuisine there? I think since lockdown, the interest has grown. Mm -hmm. Since lockdown, the interest has developed. I think lockdown was a good thing for African cuisine in general, mm -hmm. because people were trying things more. And the one thing people went to was food. Like yeah. people mm -hmm. were just trying a whole bunch of foods more. And one of the areas that wasn't explored properly was the African the African food. So people were trying yeah. to go, well, here's where the trends come from, because something that's completely different. And right now you have the time to do it. Um, in terms mm -hmm. of marketing and everything else, yeah, there's quite, there's quite, there's quite a few around. I just don't think it's, I think it's promoted within its, within its market. So African food is always promoted within African people. You don't, you never reach out mm. to do anything for that because really and truly is going to be African people. African people so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing. I was just saying that in terms of like, when we talk about the interest in, you know, um, African food, is this that people don't even know what it is to even be interested in it at this point. I think there are little pockets of places coming up. You know, I remember there was a very nice Sudanese restaurant that was in, you know, Notting Hill Gate. It was lovely. Um, it didn't, it's not there anymore, but it, we just have little pockets here and there, but we don't have like, um, you know, when you talk about you know, Italian food, you know, you know what it is. You don't, you know, when you give Japanese food, you know what you're going to get, but you just don't know what you can get with, um, you know, African cuisine. I think that's kind of part of the problem. So I think if people kind of knew what they were, what it was, they'd be like, oh, okay, let's go and let's go and try that. So I think there's this work to be done in terms of um, getting people to understand what um, African food can be, depending on which region you're even talking about. You know, um, so the work is just getting getting the information out there. I think is is where the work is. You know, the crazy part today is we're late to the party. Yeah. We are very late to the party. Because what yeah. people of Africa in general right now isn't what it really is. Like, if you think about it a couple of years ago, Welcome to Lagos is what people are referring to as how Lagos really is. They just show one side of poverty. It is getting better, but mm. we're really late to the party. So the work we have to put in now is, 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 is events. Also, I agree with what Tala is saying in terms of how the term African food is so vague. I mean, that yeah. means so many different things. 
and it's 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 such a wide it's such a big 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 spread of cultures and, and and food and cuisines if we can maybe find a way to to break that up a bit and 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 so so that if you say west african food people know what you mean if you say north african know what you mean i i think that will probably help as well the the, te the term is wrong you know though because nobody says you and food it's true yeah you know? Okay. So we all, we have we have that problem in in, in many other topics like Africa is not a country. Yeah, we think yeah. African. We shouldn't say African food because at the end of the day, I'm from Cameroon, but I don't know. Uh, let's say what um, Mauritanian people eat. I know yeah. they eat couscous, but that's it. You know. So yeah, like you said, we have to educate ourselves first in order to educate other people better. Aha. Uh -huh. um, so let's focus a bit on Ikoyi. Okay. <laughs> um, so you said in an interview that Ikoyi is not a Nigerian restaurant. No. You said that it's not a fusion of Nigerian and Japanese cuisine. And you said that it's an English, I'm quoting you, English produce focused restaurant using some West African ingredients. <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I probably said it was a British restaurant, which, which is because, because we are in Britain. Um, mm -hmm. we, trans, we, we stay away from coming to a Nigerian restaurant because it has caused us a lot of problems in the past. Um, because uh, mm. it, it creates an expectation that we cannot deliver. Nigerians come to mm. the and you should, you should see the reaction when they come to the door, they look at our menu. Some a guy has come to the restaurant, picked up our menu before, he didn't step mm. on the floor, <laughs> he threw the menu. <laughs> Out. So, 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 so people get people get very angry when 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 we sell it as, uh, I mean, we would love to say we're an African uh, West African. We would love to say we're a Nigerian restaurant. It's just mm. That, mm. That, that 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 expectation. It's, it's it's sorry that creates an expectation which which mm -hmm. we struggle to deliver. We we want to be able to to cook um, creatively, and and when mm -hmm. when when you narrow your box, uh, it, it it restricts creativity restricts what you can do because if we if we, if we call ourselves a nigerian restaurant mm. we, we expect it to be any cook nigerian food yeah which is not what i mean we want to be able to cook to cook to cook what we want and we want to be able to cook what's in season and we want to be able to cook different dishes without have without them having to be classified as, as nigerian yeah it's, it's just it's just the labeling really people I, I guess the world is obsessed with people putting things in boxes so that they can understand but mm -hmm. but yeah, just trying to reach, we're trying to reject those boxes just so that we, we can stay creative. Very clear. Do you but do you still consider the restaurant as an ambassador of uh, Nigerian or African cuisine in London? Well, yes and no. Yes, because because we're, we're the first to, to to bring those the ingredients we use to to to, to a spotlight in, in London. And um, but I, I think the term ambassador it 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 it, it, it creates a oh, too heavy. Exactly. <laughs> Heavy, and and, and and I mean we're, we're very proud of of our, of our Nigerian heritage. I mean I'm Nigerian, and 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 we would love to be to be uh, the, the Nigerian restaurant in London. But it's just a, that title create. Uh, yeah, it's it's just it's it's just, it's just the titling and the expectations that, that that we have an issue with, really. But mm -hmm. we we the solutions. Right more problems than solutions. Exactly, exactly. It's interesting because there is sometimes a strong opposition between what we call traditional cuisine yeah. and what can be considered as modern or sometimes 
Afrofusion cuisine because we consider that fusion is the, the modern representation of um, our food. And for some people, Afrofusion is the best way to present African food to the world because it opens it opens doors. So yeah. what do you think? Do you think we should stay? I mean, what are your views on that? We can probably go with, I mean, from your definition of Afrofusion, I'm, I'm happy to call our restaurants Afrofusion, but thing is, fusion is, is, is a very loose term and uh, people uh, yeah. use fusion. I mean, if, if you could say every, every restaurant in the world at the moment is fusion because mm. Mm. restaurant is, is truly, truly traditional. I, I think the idea of traditional restaurants doesn't really exist because you have chefs coming from different parts of the world that have had different experiences and, mm -hmm. and they carry these experiences with, with them in their cooking. Um, and, and, they, and they create dishes that, that, are, that are unique to them and, and, and their experiences. So is, is, it, is, is it always fusion or when, when is it fusion? At, at what point mm -hmm. is it fusion? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Victor, Tola, what do, you, uh, what do you want to say um, about that? I think that anything fusion is always interesting. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a food, I love eating. So I think when you have the fusion, you can create really interesting dishes. But I also mm. think that in terms of there's so many dishes that I think are quite not so many, a few dishes that, are, that can be sort of easily sort of transferable. I think moi moi is something that can people can eat from wherever. Um, I think uh, mm -hmm. like a lot of dishes, a lot of yam dishes. I think the taste of them, you know, and, and, I, and I still don't understand why something like jollof rice is not mainstream. It's rice cooked in a spicy tomato sauce. I am baffled up to today. It's not a mainstream dish. There's some things that are, can just be easily transferable. Um, so I think that there's a room, there's room for both. You know, I think I'll leave mm -hmm. the chefs to, um, like Victor and Co to go go forward and do the funky, you know, the funky fusion. Mm -hmm. I think it's fun, it's fun, exciting, it's different. And that's what I think life is about, just having new experiences. The fusions are great, but there's certainly dishes that can be very mm -hmm. easily um eaten as we eat it they can be eaten in the west i i believe that yeah victor you created uh last year something very interesting a dish you called amala ravioli uh, i saw some extracts um on the show um master chefs and i wanted to ask you um because it, it was very innovative i wanted to ask you to tell us about that experience is that a dish you have already cooked or did you just created the dish in the moment? The Malaravioli thing was was honestly mm. my only aim going into Most Chef. I'll be very honest. When I got in, we were in the middle of lockdown and I hadn't cooked for what four or five months. So I was crazy rusty. I only have a kitchen to practice. The only mm. dish I knew was there was a section where it says you have to cook something for the heritage. And I had this big thing in my head that whatever I go on there to do. I have to make an impact for the culture. That was mm -hmm. just my thing. So the mm -hmm. only thing I really worked on was giving them a dish that is cultural, mm -hmm. but that would leave them with depression. So like jello fries was out of the question because again, everybody, <laughs> even pounded yam was out of the question because everyone does it. So I had to really mm -hmm. go left, uh, which, was, which was fun. So that, that was the only thing I practiced. I was just like, how am I going to do it? And even using that to lead into the last question, um, the word fusion is weird. So I didn't even call it a fusion. Mm. I know it's like Italian food. It's technically mm. Italian with African flavors, but I can't call it a fusion because it creates so many more problems, uh, which mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it just creates a lot more problems. So yeah, it was just African food in a way they could understand it. 
We eat mm-hmm. them as a solid with a stew on the side. So why don't you just take it and mix it together and make the solid and put it in the middle? That, that was just it. As long as it left it in there. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It, was brilliant. <laughs> it, was, it was viral. It was really good. It, it totally, yeah. And um, how would you describe your cooking style, Victor? Yeah. Um, I always like to find a new way to do something. There's, that's, that's the thing with me. I'm, I'm, uh, creative is the word, but I wouldn't even say creative. I'm a bit cuckoo. I just, once I, once I do something once, I don't want to do it again. I want the next thing. What's the next way of doing it? Because you've already done it. It's established. It's, it's boring. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? Um, simple flavors as well. You don't have to do extortionate amount of things to something to make it new or different. Uh, just keep it simple, but keep it fun. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> I hope we'll have the um, the luck to taste your Amala ravioli someday. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. All right. Um, so another question on our culture, uh, which is strongly rooted in oral tradition. And of course, gastronomy is no exception. So we don't have written recipes. We don't have units of measurements, no precise quantities. Um, do you believe that this is also one of the things that hinders the development of our cuisine internationally? Because at the end of the day, it's, 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 it should be a precise art with, the, you know, quantities. What do you think? That, that's tricky because it, in one sense, I think the, the beauty of our, of, our, of our food and our culture is, is that it's not, it doesn't have to be precise. It, it, you, mm-hmm. The same way you can go to Lagos and, and you can go to 10 different households and you, <clears throat> Some types of jollof rice, because mm. everyone has their own stamp on it. I, I, I think, I think, I think that's the beauty of it. But I think when you, mm-hmm. I, I guess, I guess you could have things documented, but you could also leave room for room for people to to, to do what what, what 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 they want or what they feel with it. So for you, it's not really an issue. It probably is. It probably it probably is. It probably does hold us back in terms of spreading spreading the cuisine and the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it was documented people will find it easier to to if we had more recipes around people find it easier to to go out and get the ingredients and and and, and create these dishes and that will increase the popularity yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you wanted to say something no i was just saying that um i think what we just what Iri just said now that um you definitely need to if you want people to be cooking it and you know knowing what it what's in it it's, mm-hmm. it's good to, have it, to document it um mm-hmm. But the, the, the other side of the coin, as you said, is the fun is the variation. Even in Nigeria, there's so many variations across different regions of the same mm-hmm. dish, which makes it mm-hmm. interesting. But if you want to get it sort of out there and, you know, in a standardized sort of way, then <clears throat> yes, you do have to go through that process of, you know, <laughs> finding out exactly what's in each dish, you know. If you do want to get it out there, you have to have it standardized. People can, can do it, can, can cook it. So I'll just agree mm-hmm. with what you said. Mm. And how did you go about formalizing the recipes from um, the Orishirishi, Orishirishiri book? <laughs> did you decide yourself? Yes, Orishirishi means um, variety. So the recipes that went into okay. the book are just really from my experiences of how I sort of found um, each dish. And mm-hmm. I, I, so I work around Nigeria. Um, I do different projects around the country. And of course, as I'm going around, I'm trying different dishes. And I'm like, how does I not know about native soup? 
how does I know not know about Oha? So, and because you know, I grew up in a you know in Yoruba Nigerian household, um, mm. and there's so many from the east, you know, which I didn't really know about. So the you know the, the recipes came from just my experiences of so having moved back to Nigeria and discovering all these new things that I, I never knew, uh, I didn't know about, and wanting people to also experience them as well. And mm -hmm. then obviously setting up the Omishushi kitchen, um, we had to obviously have a process in place. So a lot of the work was done when we set up the kitchen. And so the ingredients in the book are just, you know, and they're little anecdotes about how I met each dish in, in the book. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's really just, you know, some of it's some from my mom, my husband's from Lagos, and Frijon is a very Lagosian dish, it came from Brazil. So it's just, you know, it's just dishes that have, I've sort of come across, you know, whilst living in Lagos and traveling around um, Nigeria. So it's a very Nigerian, it's a Nigerian cookbook, right? Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, that's how I sort of, you know, decided what would go into the book. And you said that so, you started the book during the lockdown? Um, yes, I did. Yeah, why did you decide to write that and, and who do you target? Do you target only Nigerian people or the world? Yeah, I mean, I wrote the book. I mean, it's for, it's for like we talked about people sort of knowing what's in Nigerian food. And even if you look at the book, there's the pages on just the ingredients, you know, just what's mm -hmm. in it. And then obviously the finished dish as well. And I wrote the book. So if you want to cook Nigerian food, you can. In the book, you can, there's um, a glossary of what Nigerian food is. There's stockists in, you know, mm -hmm. in the States or in, you know, in London. You can actually get the ingredients. A lot of problems actually, where do you get the ingredients from? So you can get the ingredients, you can bring it to your house, you can cook the food. And again, because I didn't discover a lot of the dishes until much later on in life, and I'm Nigerian, I just felt quite strongly that we should really document these dishes and have them out there. And we have a lot of guests that stay at Bobby Reed's hotel as well, who are international as well, um, and who are like, oh, what's in this? How do you do this? You know. And so there's some dishes that are really, really popular, like the yam chips and eggs stew and everybody wants to know how to make it. So it's always been on my mind to kind of do something. And I was, I'm gonna do it, I'll do it. But the lockdown really gave me the chance to sort of, mm. you know, sit down and sort of get on with it. You know, just have time to kind of plan it and think it through. So it's really mm. a book for people who are interested in, you know, Nigerian or West African food and mm -hmm. us as well. So, I mean, it's been featured in different magazines and not Nigerian, it's out there in the world. So. Hopefully people will pick it up and go, oh, this is interesting. Let me try do something. That's the idea. Mm. That's the idea of the book. You know, Nigerians and non-Nigerians alike. My last question would be about your predictions for African gastronomy in five years. What do you what do you think will change or evolve? Let's start with um or Tola, if you want. Oh no, I would just say that I really hope there'll be um more and more. I hope there'll be we'll see more Ires, we'll see more Victors, we'll see more, even the traditional um, food and you know, it's interesting settings that people entice people to come in and want to eat the food. So I, I think, and I think just looking at what's happening in this our small region here, the chefs coming from all over the world who have, you know, who are doing Nigerian food in their own way. I think it's people that eat the food now. So I really, I'm really hopeful. And I think this is like the beginning of something quite exciting. There's a restaurant in Lagos called Eton, and it's it's a wonderful right. restaurant, amazing food with local ingredients, but just I mean so creative. And that restaurant can probably be anywhere in you know in the world. So I'm really hoping that we'll see more. I'm I'm really excited. You know, I'm excited mm -hmm. people cook food, 
there'll be more restaurants. So I'm very positive about um, where it's going. And we'll have a burst in um, you know, our culture through food as we have food. music and, and as well, yeah. Ira, do you want to say something? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I think the same way. Um, our music, our, our, our film, our, our fashion has 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 taken, has has had an explosion in the last ten years, like or five years. I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's time for food to 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 step forward, and do the mm-hmm. same. And 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 I'm hopeful. Um, I think one once once uh, some some doors be, some doors start to open. I think uh, it, it's going to get easier for everyone, and uh, we should probably see more, more, more African food around the world. Definitely, I think the five years, five years time, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a conversation. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we've, we've seen it in music. <laughs> I think also mm-hmm. shows. We've seen it in fashion as well. Like mm-hmm. we've seen it in a lot of other industries. So there's no way we can't see it in food. Um, in food. Mm. I think it's up to the people who have started it, who are already in the midst, to grow the next generation for them to know that it's actually it needs to be worth it. I think that's the biggest problem I see right now is the fact that the younger ones don't want to get into it. Mm-hmm. Whereas when Ira was up in Nikoi, I was stalking them, stalking them, just trying to understand what the hell is going on, like what someone's really doing it. And that's what mm-hmm. we really need to get to there. So we mm-hmm. get other young people into it. Like Michael Legbader in it's on doing craziness, craziness. And that could actually be so we have we're resilient enough to make it to make it as big as we want it to be. So yeah, I see I see no problems there. Five years we should be more than on the map. I think we should be running things really. So let's finish with that sentence. In five years, we will be on the map of the word. Giants. Thank you very much for your presence with us today. It has been um, most fascinating to listening to you guys. And I hope that um, your activities will start again very quick um, and that we will be lucky enough to taste uh, different food in your restaurants. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Wave. Found out more about the series on our social media accounts. We are the wave, we reaching out to the skies, Africa rising. Sorry.